Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go. Joshua, are you there, buddy? I'm here. I'm here, sir. Welcome back to the Two Tongues Podcast, my brother Josh. So this is yep. this is an impromptu episode. My brother and I were talking on the phone on a Saturday, and I've got this rare moment with nothing to do. And um, after about thirty minutes into the conversation, I was like, "Well, if we would have been recording this, we'd have had most of a podcast in the uh, uh, in the books." And to your credit, it was Josh's idea to record, and I just didn't. I just didn't. Uh, just didn't do it. Uh, but you know, then thirty minutes later, we could have had something. So we're going to try. Yeah, it's worth a try. Worth a try. So I do have a couple things. I do have a couple things. Did you hear, um, did you see how in Switzerland there was an article that said uh, they have developed these suicide pods and you can go like a Kevorkian machine. You can go and get into this machine and I assume pay a sum and close the door and the chamber fills with gas and you slowly and peacefully die. And the, I, no, I have not heard about this. Yes, and the government has has approved it. So I'm going to call them Kevorkian machines. And if you look them up, if you look them up, they look like a dope ass Tesla death pod. It's like a nice, <laughs> it's like a nice, like an aerodynamic design. It looks awesome, and it's a it's a it's a Kevorkian machine. So uh, you know, you mentioned Switzerland. Yep. What I want to mention. It's the fucking Russia truth movements around the Ukraine. Yeah, Kyle and I talked about that a little bit. Um, you know, his perspective on that is like, you know, they're in Russia and they can do what they want and they're flexible. Well, they're not in Russia; they're in Ukraine. Are you talking about Russians? I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the Russians. Are they? They didn't, no. they didn't go into the Ukraine yet, did they? Not yet, but they've got two hundred thousand troops on the border. Yeah, but it's like not the first time they've done that. They do that like from time to time. Well, they do do that from time to time. But right now, the West is so weak. I mean, Joe Biden couldn't punch his way out of a paper bag, for one. And for two, they're too worried about the next election cycle to get involved in any of this world shit, bro. And I'm just real scared that he's way, way too tender-footed to, to step in and try to do anything, even though he did make an announcement that he would provide support to the Ukraine, which I don't know if that was a smart, a smart thing to say or not, but yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I don't think you should show your cards. I don't think you should say to, to the media that you're going to support Ukraine. You should just do it. 
You know, why would you, why would you, if, if Russia is our enemy, why would you tell the world, unless it's misinformation, unless we're not going to help Ukraine and we just want Russia to unless, think we're going to help Ukraine? And, but see, you're bringing up something else that I wanted to speak upon. Is Russia truly our enemy? Now, I know that we've been raised through the 80s and 90s and the Cold War and the Berlin Wall and all this shit that makes you think that they're our enemy. But in space, they're our biggest ally. Do you know for years, during the Obama administration, U.S. rockets couldn't launch. They All our astronauts had to go off on Soyuz craft yeah, yeah. to the space station. Now, uh, Trump got space rights back. I, well, I think Obama kind of started the ball rolling, but he got our space rights back. We were on lockdown from Russia for launching for like four years. Yeah. And, and now listen, now World War II, Russia was our ally. And I think that it's been kind of a disinformation, kind of mind fuck to make us adversaries for all this time to keep people kind of focused on that. I don't think we're as big as adversaries as people think, man. I really don't. Other than us be them being communist and us being democratic or whatever, if that's the right word. Uh, besides that difference. You know, I, I don't know. I think there might be a clandestine friendship there that's just been under, like, cloak and dagger. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. What you don't see, what you don't see is a lot of hostility between the U.S. and Russia generally. Like, you don't see hostility. You're, you're not seeing, like, them flying over airspace that's restricted that has something to do with us. They're doing that with other people, but not with us. You know, I just wonder, to your point, if, like, the propaganda machine is that sophisticated that in Russia and in the United States, they sort of agree, like you say, covertly, to pretend that we still have this danger, this hostile relationship, so that both the citizens of both countries stay scared of this pretend enemy. And I don't know what the end goal there is, but to be more compliant. like To take your eyes off the true enemy. And who is that? You know, but there's also the underlying fact that, you you know, that does kind of support us being not friends is the mutually assured, a mutually assured destruction thing, (laughs) you know, so that kind of supports us not being homies, but everything else kind of does. I mean, you know, when Trump went to see Putin, bro, they were hugging and shaking hands and both of them were smiling. When, when, when Putin met, uh, Biden, he didn't crack a fucking grin. He looked like he was miserable the whole time. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think that Republican presidents are a lot closer to military and the military ongoings than Democratic presidents. For sure. And I think that Putin fears a Republican president way more than he fears a Democratic president. And I feel like if he was going to do something to the Ukraine or to wherever, that this is the perfect time. We have a fucking soft batch ass president that's getting ready to die. He, he, I doubt he'd ever fucking punch somebody in the face, Mm-mm. just pussy all the way around. And, uh, you know, all of our riots and all of our, um, what do you call them? Or protests. And, uh, I mean, we're kind of a broken country right now. And, Oh, for sure. And if there was a time to strike, and try to take Ukraine and not worry about us, you know, interfering, it'd probably be now. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It would it would be now. It would be now. I mean, if 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 we're just measuring based on the perceived threat of of the leadership in this country, Joe Biden doesn't seem like much of a threat to anybody. You know, so I agree. No, I know fourteen year old black girls that could beat up Joe Biden. Oh, for sure. I I, I do too. Shout out to Amber Briscoe. <clears throat> <laughs> hey, what do you think about that tiny tennis player that disappeared? Oh, I just barely heard about that. She disappeared for a while, and then there was some uh, there were some questions about it, and then she reappeared. Uh, that's what I heard. No, she didn't reappear. It was an email. It was digital, and it sounded like they had a gun to her head. It was like, yeah, my name's Xi Jinping, and I am in perfect health, and oh all these God. accusations, all these accusations came out before I could verify them, and none of it is true, especially the sexual allegations. And I'm fine, and leave me alone, goodbye. So I didn't hear it, but that's that's super suspicious, man. I mean, it sounded like they had a Glock forty to her head while she was typing, bro. <laughs> so what? So while we're talking about China, um, and so that my ignorance is going to be revealed for the world here, sports wise. But um, I don't follow basketball. I never have. But I did, did hear the story about the dude that changed his name to Freedom. <laughs> the dude, the dude from well, I don't know where he's from, Turkey that plays in the NBA, who changed his last name to Freedom. Do you know who I'm talking about? What was his original name? I couldn't tell you. That's what I'm saying. But if you haven't heard of it, uh, you probably don't. You must not follow it either. It's been all over the news. So this dude, um, I don't know. This is this is again revealing. So I I'm one of those guys that mostly looks at article article uh, headings and doesn't really dig deep too much. Um, So I don't know what got him into trouble in the first place, but he was speaking out against communism and against China, and the NBA got really upset about that because so much money, you know. So much money's involved uh, to do with the Chinese, you know, where they make all the basketball shoes, you know, the, those contracts, and you know the yeah, they the, definitely want the Chinese name on the back of that jersey. Oh, absolutely. So, um, so hold on, but he wait. wasn't the first player. He wasn't the first player to do that, though. Uh, well, hold on. Uh, I want to know who and when, but if you know, but I, I want to tell you what I saw. This guy did. The NBA put pressure on him, telling him he had to stop with the anti-communist and the anti-Chinese rhetoric and he he said he he said no i'm going to do it anyway he he had his basketball shoes painted up to say free tibet and changed and became an american citizen and changed his last name to freedom then this motherfucker is playing nba he's on tv with shoes that say free tibet with freedom on the back of his jersey saying fuck you to to the chinese and i was just smiling and dude just they're going to jamal shikogi shikogi that motherfucker well who is that let's hear it who is Jamal Shikogi? <laughs> Jamal Shikogi was a, um, uh, I don't know if he was some kind of espionage person, but uh, he had to do with the Middle East or Iran or something. And uh, and they murdered him inside the Iranian consulate and cut his body up and uh, made, him, made him disappear. Oh, my God. That was last year. I can't believe you didn't hear about last Jamal Last year? Yeah. And American government couldn't do nothing about it because it was in the Iranian consulate, mm. Mm. and that's like you know that's that's foreign soil. That's not America. Jesus, even though it is America, it's not you know how the consulates work. Well, listen, man, I got I got an interesting story that just popped in my head. I'm going to share with you. <clears throat> All right, so one of the things I noticed when I moved from Columbus to Cleveland is that there's a lot more people here from other parts of the world. There's a lot more immigrants here. There's a lot more accents, you know, people with accents here. And it's not just, you know, uh, Mexicans. Because in Columbus, it's like, you know, parts of town where you hear an accent, but it's just, 
you know, that's a Mexican part of town. Up here, it's all sorts of things. It's so different, man. It's like Polish and Slovak and, uh, you know, uh, Russian and all these different um, people who come to Cleveland because historically there was communities of immigrants that lived here. And there's still a bunch of them. Like, if, like a lot of kids, you know, that like Kyle went to high school with, a lot of kids are like first, second generation, third generation Americans. Um, you know, a, a lot of people whose parents and grandparents were from the old country. And it's it's very different here than than how it was back home. I, I tell you that just to say, I went to the barbershop yesterday. I'm getting my hair cut. And it's just like a real small barbershop. Usually it's just like there's two chairs but only one barber. So it's like only ever two people in there at, at a time. And some dude walks in. He must have been the guy's next appointment. And uh, we're just shooting the shit. We're bullshitting. And he starts telling me that he was looking forward to the schwitz. He says he was looking forward to the schwitz. And uh, he and, like, ten of his friends were supposed to be going to this place. Um, and, like, I just, you know, I just nodded my head and, and just being polite. I had no idea what this guy was talking about. Yeah, what is the schwitz? So he, he explains it to me. He's like, do you know what I'm talking about? I was like, I have no idea. So check this out. There's a place here in Cleveland somewhere, I think it's on the east side of town, where you go and it's like, it's like, like a hole in the wall, non-discreet building with a guy with a gun outside who's guarding, you know, like the parking lot because it's in a bad part of town and all the cars in the parking lot are like BMWs and Lexuses and, you know, know, a couple of Maseratis and it's like, what's going on here? Inside, he said it's like a big, wide-open place, and part of it is a restaurant, and they and they serve nothing but steak. And the other part of it is a schwitz, which which apparently it's a it's a very common in European. But the schwitz is a it's like a Yiddish word. It's like a Jewish thing. But this is apparently common in Europe, and everybody who's there are all these immigrant motherfuckers, you know, people from like all these Russian dudes, and people from like the Ukraine, and people from uh, you know Poland, and all these all these places. I'm, why am I picturing a bathhouse? That's exactly what it is, man. So is it? It's exactly what it is. So, so this is the like thing. John Wick. Like, like John Wick. You go in. I actually never seen John Wick. I've been told to watch it. You go in. You get a. You get a. Steak. Never seen John Wick. Blasphemy. No. Hold on, man. You get a steak. He said you got three choices: small, medium, and large. There's, you don't have. You, you get a steak. That's what you get. So you go. You get a steak. Yeah, they're drinking. They're eating, and then they go from like this super hot sauna spa situation into the cold water and back and forth and back and forth and they're just drinking and talking and hot and cold water for hours they spend all day there and he's and the guy's telling me like it's invitation only you can only go if you're if you're invited and uh he said you'll be sitting there eating a steak and the guy next to you is like the ceo of sherman williams and the other guys like you know these are like like super elite people and it's like their clubhouse and this motherfucker gets to go i never heard of such a thing i never heard of such Talk a about thing rubbing elbows huh and yeah and i told him i was like man like like that sounds that sounds cool but it sounds fucking gay man it sounds a little gay and he laughs he was like yeah the, he was like the first time i was invited i i was like no way man it sounds like that that that's going to end with the wrong type of happy ending and i was like <laughs> it, it's, it's exactly where my mind goes man no thank you but he said he looks forward to it. He, he goes every year, makes a big makes a big deal about it. And uh, anyway, that's just not something that I ne- never could imagine existing in Columbus. Yeah, there was a scene in, in the first John Wick movie where he's hunting down the Russian kid. 
and there was a club called the Red Circle. And when you walk in the Red Circle, everybody at the at the entrance says they're armed, like you're talking about. Yep. And uh, uh, if you're privileged, if you're part of the you know privileged sort, then you get to go in a side entrance. You don't have to wait in line. And when you first go in, there's like a bath. It's like a shower. And you can change your clothes and brush your teeth and put your fresh suit on. There's like lockers with fresh suits and shit. Yep. And then you walk out, and then there's like uh, a dining area and like a dance club area. And then the basement, there's a bathhouse with the sauna and everything. Nice. And it, I thought it was the best scene in the movie. It had like this really kick-ass like Russian folk singer. Like I like that so that song for some reason is like the sickest song. I can't remember how to sing it or nothing, but you have to look it up. Interesting. Uh, did you? Um, I saw. Like I'm a Keanu fan, so a lot of people hate on Keanu. I love I love Keanu. Did you? See, I'm a fan too. Did you see the preview for the the new Matrix? December twenty first on HBO Max. I'll be I'll be watching. You looking forward to it? Yeah. See, I, I, I saw it. I was stoked. I, I texted Matt, and I was like, you know, did you see the new Matrix coming out? And he's just, he just, uh, this is via text, so, but I can just see Matt's face. He's just like, Psh. this guy thinks, you know, because he, he's a movie buff. Of course he knows. He's been, he's he, he's had the, that date on his calendar for fucking two years. He's, he's been waiting for that thing. Uh, but he said he wasn't, he wasn't excited about it. He said, apart from Keanu with long hair, um, you know, it, it looked. Well, it's different because all the characters are reinserted in the Matrix. Oh, okay. So it's, yeah, so it's a little different. And also, there's no Morpheus because he died in the third movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's going to be some changes. It's going to be, it's not a reboot. Don't get me wrong. It follows the story. It's just uh, somehow, because remember in the in the third movie where um, Keanu was in the room with all the TV screens and it was like the arbiter yeah. of the whole matrix? Yeah, yes, I do, of course. Okay, well, remember he told Keanu that regardless what he does, you know, they'll just have to reprogram and reboot, and this uh, is not going to last long. Remember the whole speech? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. It's well, it back comes to, to fruition in the new movie. They're all reinserted in the Matrix, and, <laughs> and he, like he walks by that girl that he loves, and he gets deja vu, but he doesn't say anything to her, at least in the preview. Interesting. Hey, man. It's uh, probably going to be cool. I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, I... I but I could go on about Keanu, but I want to I want to mention two th- other things to you while we're on the topic of uh, how weird how how different Cleveland is from from Columbus. A couple things I learned this season that um, kind of blew my mind. Um, here in Cleveland, there's a Christmas there's a beloved Christmas character named Mister Jingling. Miss, Never heard of it. Exactly. There's a beloved Christmas character called Mr. Motherfucking Jingling, the keeper of the keys. Josh, he's the keeper of the keys. Um, All I can picture in my head is that Eddie Murphy movie, Jingling, Jingling. <laughs> so, so this is this was news to me, man. But apparently, this goes back to the '60s. So it's like my wife knows about it. Her dad, her her dad, and uh, knew about it. Her her aunt knows about it. He, she's was singing the theme song. There used to be a like a like a cartoon. I don't know if it was a cartoon. It was a show that w- that would air around Christmas time. The Mister Jingling Show, and he like dresses up in this crazy Victorian costume. He looks like he he looks like somebody from Whoville, and he carries a big giant ring of keys. And somehow he's associated with Christmas, and and the kids would go to the mall 
to see Mr. Jingling instead of going to the mall to sit on Santa's lap. What? Mr. fucking Jingling. He's like a, he's like a celebrity here. And uh, I had no idea. I'd never heard of this. And it, it's a big deal here, man. Mr. Jingling's apparently some kind of cultural icon for Christmas in Cleveland, and I had no idea. So if you have, if you have a minute, look up Mr. Jingling. You can see the picture. You can uh, you can listen to the little jingle. Um, I can't remember how it goes, but I had a weird ass dream the other. I mean, not to change the subject. You <laughs> know, go ahead. But I took an Ambien. Do you know what those are? <laughs> I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I got I had this Ambien, and I've had it forever, and I just I, I'm kind of scared of it and shit. I didn't want to take it because I heard you could sleepwalk and all kind of yeah, weird yeah, shit. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Uh, so I just couldn't sleep for shit, man. I took this fucking Ambien, and uh, I had this crazy dream, dude. And the reason why it's so crazy is I remember in so much detail. I want to hear it. Let's hear uh, it. All right. Well, I got uh, I don't know if it was a fist fight or just an altercation. With, with Jenna and Jeff and like the family or whatever, right? Yep. And for some reason, mom and dad took their side, which they never do. And I was just like heard about that shit. And the next thing I know, I was in Cleveland, and I lived there and I had an apartment. Okay. And I don't know, if, I don't know, and whereabout it was to you or anything. I just there wasn't that much detail, but I remember seeing street signs and shit. Now, now I can't remember the names of the street signs. I really tried hard, but yeah. uh, I want to believe they're real streets <laughs> because this shit was vivid, dude. Oh, man. Like, uh, like I don't know, man. I think maybe in, 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 in some part of my future, man, I may end up down there. I don't know. That's interesting. So what was, what was compelling about the dream then? It was just uh, how vivid it was? It was like so real? Yeah, it was like I felt happier and like, uh, and uh, it wasn't Christmas time or nothing cold. It was it was nice out, and I had this apartment that was on the first floor, and it had like sliding glass doors that looked out into like a like a nature scene. You know what I'm saying? Like a golf course type of scene. Yep. And I just remember being super happy and like, you know what I mean? You were far away, and Kyle wasn't far away. You know, my part of the family out there wasn't far away, and I just remember feeling super content and happy to be far away from, like, Jenna. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's awful to say, but. Well, uh, no. I'm, it was weird, man. No, under the circumstances, I understand. That's interesting cause, uh, uh, because that's, I mean, because well, it probably means that there's some part of your some part of your heart that wants that. And uh, when I moved up here, it was kind of like that for me. You know, it was like a new start. And the distance from every everything that I was, you know, attached to back home was was good, and I and I was happier, and I am happier here. So that's interesting, man. Yeah, and I remember I took, I walked, I left and walked, and that's when I seen street signs, and um, <laughs> it wasn't like an old timey town at all. It was, it, it was, but it wasn't brand new either. It's hard to explain. Like imagine, like. Um, like the little town of Canal or something. Yeah. That's what it felt like. There's a lot of spots like that here. There's a lot of spots like that. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And, and I just remember not having any of the anxiety or none of the weird feelings that I have being out here. I just remember feeling good, dude. It was, and I don't know if it was the Ambien. (laughs) It could have very well been the Ambien. (laughs) 
That's interesting. <laughs> do you, hey, did uh, do you remember? Do you remember mom telling you um, she had this recurring dream for like a long, long time, and she would tell me that it was a house. So she would have this dream about this house, and she had this. this she had this. I don't know if it was the same dream, but she had a dream about the same house over and over and over and over. She never. She, it wasn't a house she knew. It was just a fantasy house, but she, but she she knew all the details of the house. Her dream was so detailed that she could tell you everything about the house. It was so real to her that she would tell she would, and she'll still tell you this if you ask her that she expects one day she's going to like see it. She's going to find it like it's a real place. You know, I wouldn't I I wouldn't go as far to say I believe in that shit, but I would put it out of the realm of possibility. I'm more believing it than don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't put it outside the the realm of possibility either it's it's weird man dreams are weird i got one more i got one more weird cleveland thing for you mm-hmm. now you know how um right, you know how back home every town has these little festivals that they do you know like the circleville pumpkin show or uh mm-hmm. um so the sorry the lights are flashing the zucchini out. fest and the pumpkin yep, fest yep yep right. um it, <laughs> so all all that sort the rib of, fest yep 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 so here in Cleveland they have those too, but they're like mostly they're they're cultural. So it's like the Greek festival, the Italian festival. It's that kind of stuff here. And um apparently they've got this holiday here called Dingus Day. You ever heard of Dingus that Day? That sounds Australian as fuck, but whatever, keep going. Apparently it's Polish. Apparently it's Polish. And this was this. Oh, so, uh, you know, I never been. But when I when I learned about it, I brought it up. My wife knew all about it. She's like, oh, yeah, Dingus Day. Don't you know about Dingus Day? I'm like, nobody knows about Dingus Day. What is this? So apparently it's like a parade. You know, people go to some Polish part of town. They eat a bunch of, you know, Polish food, like sauerkraut and sausages and just shit like that. And um, I'm not eating blood sausage, dude. I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, well, hold on, man. The, uh, people dress up in like, you know, traditional kind of clothes and stuff and. So I look it up because I want to know what this is all about. And apparently it goes back to this f- pagan festival, something that they used to celebrate in Poland and that part of the world before they were Christian. And it has to do with a goddess, like a fertility goddess. And they would make a effigy. They would make like a fake, like a fake version of the goddess, like an idol out of out of uh, corn, like corn husks or stalks or some some shit like that, or, or wheat or Don't something. Don't tell me they throw it in a fire. No, they actually dunk it. They actually dunk it in water. And it's supposed to... Oh. And, they, and then what they do is they uh, grind up that... They grind up that uh, goddess figurine or whatever, and they mix it in with the seeds so that when they plant the next harvest, it's supposed to be blessed by the, by the fertility goddess or whatever. But this is how it translates. When they do this festival in Poland... The, the boys in the in the villages, they go around looking for young women, and they dump water on them. So the mm-hmm. yeah, so imagine you're just like you're just like lurking around, you know, little groups groups of you know young men are lurking around. It's like, like assault, right? It, but it, it is. I mean, you can look at it that way, but it's like it's kind of like hide and seek. It's kind of like at the end of a football game when the coach doesn't realize he's getting ready to get Gatorade dumped all yeah. over him. It's like the girl, yeah. the girls walking around on Dingus Day have to be worried they might get water <laughs> dumped on them. Okay, and it and it's and it's because they used to soak the goddess figure, the goddess, you know figurine and water so they dump water on young ladies and here's the kicker the polish flag is white and red 
So on Dingus Day, everyone's wearing Polish colors. You got a bunch of young women in white shirts walking around getting water dumped on them. It's like it's like it's like inter- international wet or national wet T-shirt day for the young women in Poland. Doesn't sound bad anymore, does it? No, Dingus Day. So, so let's make Dingus Day a thing. Uh, when is it? I don't even know, man. I, I could fact check it, but we need a young Jamie. Jamie, we, we don't we don't have a young Jamie. I mean, I don't know. I may drive out there for that. That, that doesn't sound like a bad call. Listen, I haven't done it yet. I've been here for six years. I'll, if you come up for Dingus Day, I'll, I'll go for Dingus Day. I'm going to get a super soaker with one with a backpack. You know those fucking backpack super soakers? <laughs> yeah. The mega soaker. Yep. And then the, uh, I was going to I was going to drop a quote from Triple uh, X, but nobody would nobody would get it. You ever see that movie? I would get it. Oh yeah. Bitches come. No. Oh uh, yeah. They're at that Russian nightclub, and the, the yeah. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, all right, man. I got a couple other interesting things. Unless you got other topics you want to talk about, I'm riding with you, man. What you got? All right, I learned about um, a couple of interesting things. I've been listening to some podcasts. One of them is called Mind Escape, and I never, uh, I just bumped into it, and it's awesome. So he's got this guy on this Mind Escape podcast talking about Terrence McKenna. So they're talking about psychedelics. They're talking about, you know, ancient civilizations using psychedelics. And they started having a really interesting conversation that I, an angle that I never really heard before. It goes something like this. When you do certain types of psychedelics in the right doses, you see crazy things. And one of the things that people see is fractal geometry. So, you know, mm-hmm. things break up into shapes. Everything looks like it's moving. Shapes look like they're transforming. You know, that, I know a fact of geometry. Okay, well, you know, for those people listening. So the thing about ancient Greece where they were doing shit like that, they were doing like the Eleusinian mysteries where they were, you know, they were doing psychedelics. They were drinking the Kaikion brew. They were, they were, you know, no one knows what it was, but they were tripping balls. And in uh, ancient Persia, they were drinking Soma and tripping balls, you know, that kind of thing. So, not so, to interrupt you, yep. But isn't there fractal geometry on on the Nazca planes? Yeah, absolutely, there is. Absolutely, there okay. is. That's interesting. Okay. That's interesting too. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that too. But um, so here's the thing: in ancient Greece, where you have all these crazy like philosophers who started coming out, Socrates and even the people before Socrates, saying really, really deep shit for the first time. And um, some of those people were like the earliest scientists. So Pythagoras. Plato and Euclid. So they're talking about these people. If you know Pythagoras, he he's the the, Pythag- the uh, Pythagorean the the- theorem. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, a pl- a squared times b squared equals c squared. That kind of thing. Plato uh, he he um, defined what he called Platonic solids. So they're all the different shapes, the perfect shapes: squares, triangles, cubes. Um, uh, you know, different polygons, tetrahedrons, all these different things, dodecahedrons, if you've ever heard that word. Plato was the guy, yeah, he was the guy that talked about these perfect shapes, these perfect forms. And then Euclid, he was the guy that invented geometry. He invented geometry. So you've got these ancient philosophers from way back when who, who came up with these really sophisticated ideas about shapes and geometry and the math behind it. And they're saying, well, is, don't, don't you find it interesting that these ancient Greeks who were who were drinking kaikion and taking these psychedelics, um, we don't know how connected those were to these 
people like Pythagoras and Plato. But isn't it interesting that you don't see perfect shapes in nature? But these people came up with these sophisticated ideas and all the math behind them. Do you think? Maybe, well, see, I have I have a kind of a rebuttal to that, which hold, I don't know. Hold, how hold you on, hold that. on. Let me let me finish the sentence. The last sentence is: Do you think they encountered those shapes in psychedelic experience? That they saw them while they were tripping, and when they sobered up, they were able to write and come up with all all that stuff. Um, I think I think so. Maybe possibly some of it. Maybe most of it. But uh, you can see that fractal geometry in lots of things in nature. Like beehives, yep. or yeah, um, uh, close up. If you look at a leaf in a magnifying glass, uh, it's very, it's very fractal geometry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, those, those are they're found in nature a lot more than circles and shit. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, you can see things like the Fibonacci sequence, but you can see that kind of stuff in nature. I get that. Um, and, and you, you know, you can see, you can see, like, like you said, if you look at a beehive, you can see the most efficient way of organizing space. It's not a circle. It's not a triangle. It's not a pentagon. It's a hexagon. It's exactly what a a beehive looks like. That's the most efficient way of clustering those shapes and nature produces it. And that's, that's, you know, you can, you can, you can see somebody who was like an early scientist observing nature would have been able to see that. But what about a dodecahedron? What about what about figuring out that every triangle has the same relationship between its angles? I mean, that's deep. That's I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe, but I just wonder if, you know, because I can just tell you how mind-opening mystic and psychedelic experience is. You know, I know for Yeah, I know. I'm just I wish I wasn't so scared of it. I had a bad trip, dude. Yeah. Um, uh, but this is something that relates. Yep, let's hear and, it. And uh I've seen it, and it's freaking crazy. Did you know the longitude line of the Great Pyramid of Pisa measured in meters per second is the same number as the speed of light up to 15 decimals? (laughs) No. Yeah, dude, ain't that fucking crazy? I do remember hearing that the... um that the uh, oh shoot, (laughs) Kyle's trying to call me right now, Um, that the... um, uh, number of stones in the base of the pyramid um, is the is the number of days of the year or something like that. Like there's 365. I don't remember. There's all kinds of math that um, in the pyramids that encoded. correspond to nature. Yeah. Yeah, I think they encoded a lot of uh, a lot of sacred geometry and sacred information in the pyramids, bro. Sorry, I'm uh I'm sending I'm sending Kyle a message here on on the off chance that he's um that he's going to come join us here. Um, okay, sorry. So we'll see what he says. Uh, yeah. So, sorry, I, I got a little bit distracted. I don't want to cut you off. I got, I got one other thing I want to tell you, um, but I don't want, I don't want to cut you short. What were you saying? I don't remember. All right. So, um, on this podcast, I was talking about Mind Escape, um, episode two two five. If anybody's interested, they talked about this idea of um, geometry developing in ancient Greece and maybe it being connected to psychedelic use, which I never thought of, and it's really fascinating. But they also talked about some of that cave art, that ancient cave art, and I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty steeped in the cave art. You know, I have a whole. It would be called a geoglyph. Is the word you're looking for? Um, well, I'm, I'm, sp- I'm talking about cave paintings rather than rather than like large scale carvings or anything. But that would be a megalith. A cave painting is a geoglyph. 
so so I, I'm pretty steeped in it. I have um I have a big panel of tattoos on my on my shoulder that are that are uh, uh, it's called the panel of lions from the Chauvet Cave in France. I'm I'm familiar with them, but I was never familiar with the ones they talked about on this on this podcast. Um, sorry, Kyle is telling me he wants to come. I'm just going to tell him. Uh, hold on, I'm recording now. Recording with Josh. All right, so um, one of them in Spain and one of them in Algeria. And like one of them is 6,000 years old and one of them is 9,000 years old. If you've never seen them before, uh, the, one in, uh, the one in Spain is called Selva Pasquala. And it's, it's interesting. The, the one in Algeria, I actually bought a copy of because I want to put it in the podcast studio. It's, it, it, it's, the image is amazing. It's called Tassili in Ajir. It's 9,000 years old. It's a picture of a crazy shaman guy. And, it, you know, it's a 9,000-year-old painting of this crazy shaman da- guy dancing. He's, he's got a mask on that looks like a like the face of a bumblebee. And his fingers, every single one of his fingers is a magic mushroom. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of mainstream science doesn't say we were capable of artwork 9,000 years ago, but I've thrown out mainstream science a long time ago. Well, the, some of those cave paintings in um, Spain and France, they go back 30,000 years. I mean, it's like way before Yeah, the yeah, last but they're thick figures, though. There's, but they're not detailed. No, man, they're amazing. If you go, if you really, look, yeah, if you if you look at Altamira in France or in Spain, or if you look at Chauvet in France or uh, uh, La Trois Frères, the Three Brothers Cave in France, there's some amazing shit like like bison and cave bears and all kinds. Of, like my tattoo on my arm, man. Like it's 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 sophisticated. And they're detailed. Oh, they're amazing. Really, I have to look some of this shit up, but I couldn't spell none of that shit you just said. <laughs> I have to, I have to text it to you. Sorry, I'm still texting Kyle. Um, all right. So yeah, the the uh, the one that has the um, oh yeah, Kyle, Kyle's on his way, so he's going to join us when he gets here. Um, <laughs> turning his microphone on now. Uh, so yeah, um, it, it, you have to look it up when you have a minute. It's like. Um, He's hunched over. He's wearing the you know traditional like um, you know shaman outfit you would expect like a Native American shaman to wear. Crazy mask like you would expect to see in Africa or in um, or in the, the New World. And his fingers, his his hands are outstretched, and his fingers, every one of them is a mushroom. And there is no doubt in my mind that nine thousand years ago in Algeria, though that shaman was was eating psychedelic mushrooms and having visionary experiences and it's no doubt i think that probably goes back to being in time because those those foragers they didn't know what was hallucinogenic and what wasn't in the beginning oh no absolutely <laughs> you know so i bet they were tripping balls ever since the end of all oh for sure right for sure man I, I think that more and more man i think that more and more and there's one more i think that might be one me that might be one of the major keys of uh Homo sapiens sapien having the intelligence we have is is all our predecessors eating all that fucking psychedelic shit. Well, and that, that's exactly where that conversation started on the Mind Escape. They were talking about Terrence McKenna's book, Food of the Gods, and that's what he says. He, his uh, stoned ape theory. He's like, look, when the uh, when the pre-human hominids were living in Africa and the and the and the jungle started to disappear because of climate change, the the monkeys were coming down from the trees looking for food, and you know. 
what, what do you what do you encounter in the savannah when the trees go away and you have plains? You end up with piles of shit. You end up with big animals and piles of shit, big grass eating animals, and they shit and the mushrooms grow and the monkeys come down and eat. I mean, that's an interesting it's an interesting idea, man. I think it's more than possible. I think it's probably uh, quite factual. And there's one other one that was from a different podcast. I might be spoiling this for you and maybe for, for some people listening because this is the most recent Joe Rogan episode. Uh, he interviewed a guy named Jimmy Corsetti. Did you listen to that yet? Was he the Australian boxer? No, no, no. This is a guy that has a uh, like a YouTube channel where he does a bunch of videos on ancient history and mysteries like the kind of ancient alien shit you and I are talking about right now. Oh, I have to listen to that. What's the, is Jimmy Corsetti? Jimmy Corsetti is, the, I think it's the most recent one, or at least one of the most recent ones. I never heard of the guy. He's probably, he's probably my age or late. Is it a good one? Is it a good episode? It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's right up there with the um, with the Graham Hancock episodes. Oh, I like those. Yep, you'll like this too. And if you ha- if you haven't listened to, um, uh, he did one with uh, the guy that wrote the Immortality Key, Brian Mir- Mir Rescue. If you haven't listened to that one, you should. It's all along Brian Mirror Rescue. Mirror Rescue, yeah. He's the, he's the guy that talked about the Ellicinian Mysteries. It's right along the same lines. It's really good shit. I think um, I can find the... Uh, well, I've already forgot the first name. I'm awful with this shit. I'll text it, it to you. It, it just texts me the numbers of the episodes. That's all I need. All right. So this guy, Jimmy Corsetti, he has his YouTube channel or website is called Bright Insight. Bright Insight. And he, he brought up something on Joe Rogan's podcast that I never heard before. And, and he basically said what makes it so interesting, apart from it being really interesting, is that nobody has heard of it before. Joe didn't hear, hear about it before. This guy who's been steeped in, in you know, mis- the history's mysteries ha- hadn't heard of it until recently. It's called the Rayshot Structure. Have you ever heard of the Rayshot Structure? No. All right. I'm going to make a note here. I want to talk about the uh, square, the square building or shape they found on the moon. I don't want to. I don't, the Chinese uh, f- uh, took a picture of it. So anyway, but, um, just going back to the Rishat structure. There's this place in Africa. I think it's Northwest Africa, um, that they found through satellite imagery. That um, I think they knew about prior to it, but the satellite images show you the big picture. I mean, you can see the whole structure. You can see what it looks like. And uh, if you weren't talking to me on your phone, I would tell you to, to Google it. But basically what it is, it's it's like 100 miles away from the ocean. It's inland in, in the desert in Africa. And you see these tall ridges like a mountain. And then you see a valley. And then you see another mountain. And then you see a valley. But when you look up from the sky, if you look at a bird's eye view, what you have is a this, the mountains are not... A, a range of mountains. It's a circle. It's a perfect circle of mountains. So you have this high elevated circle, and then and then on the other side you have a low elevated like valley, and then it comes up again, and you have a high elevated circle and a low valley, and and what it looks like is rings, you know, like like multiple rings of high elevation and low elevation. Right. It almost reminds me of for what you're describing of Gobekli Tempe. Well, you say Gobekli Tepe, um, Jimmy Corsetti says Atlantis. So if you remember, Ooh. yeah. So if you remember, Atlantis is supposed to be water and land, water and land. And like sea, re- sea to the south, 
the ocean is to the south, so that would be the deal breaker, right? Is the ocean to the south? Um, I don't know. I don't. I can't remember exactly where it's positioned, but the thing is, it's close to the ocean, and they have these like big areas of white uh, that you can see in the images. And he's like, "Oh, like salt." He's salt. He's like, "Look, like where ocean used to be." Exactly. So this. Oh. Exactly. So so he's like, "Look, you can see." You can see what looks like uh, wind erosion, so you have like these wavy patterns in the sand. But then what you notice is that there's parts of those wavy patterns that aren't that aren't the, they're not the color of sand. There's big chunks of them that are white. And he's like, I went there and tasted it. It's salt. There, th- there's this area used to be salt water. And are you trying to tell me Atlantis is in Africa? That, that's what he's. That's what he's implying. He says it fits. Well, that's far from the pillars of Gibraltar, isn't it? The pillars of Hercules, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I thought it. I thought he said Northwest Africa. It's possible it's Northeast Africa, in which case it would be, it would be past the the pillars of Hercules, the Straits of. Well, Gibraltar. that's where Atlantis was, past the pillars of Hercules. I think it's south of the Azores, and those are another set of islands that some people have said might have been Atlantis. It's, it's not far. Um, but if you see the pictures, man, you'll see what I mean. It, um, I mean, I could see it in my mind. It sounds like if the ocean level was was higher, a lot higher, then that could have been fucking Atlanta. It could have been. And and the thing is, it, it if there was salt water there, it, it hasn't been there in a very very long time. So the idea the idea that if Atlantis existed and it, it, it happened to be this spot, that it would have been you know thirty thousand years ago, or or it would have been a very very long time ago. And I think I think I think all the dating of everything is so fucking skewed. I really do. I don't, I think the Sphinx is way older than forty five hundred years. I think. I mean, just the water erosion on the side says it's like fourteen thousand years old. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you watch these documentaries and all these Egyptologists, like the one guy, he really fucked. <laughs> this one guy was so smooth, man. He took a picture of the water erosion on the Sphinx. And he blew it up, then he boxed out everything around it. So it just looked like the side of a hill. Yeah, yeah. And he showed it to a whole bunch of different geologists. And every one of them, and it was like 14 of them. 14 out of 14 said water erosion, no doubt. Yep. Yeah, they talk- And then they took the sticker off and it said this fix, and then they all tried to fucking back <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, they, they talked about that. I can't remember if it was on Rogan or if it was on the... The, uh, the other podcast, but they did they did talk about that they, and they exactly that example. But it was even better than that, is that they showed pictures of the enclosure of the Sphinx, and then they showed pictures of the <coughs> of the Sphinx itself. But they blocked it out, like you said, so that you couldn't tell what you were looking at. And they asked the scientists um, what type of erosion it was, and all of the scientists agreed that the erosion in the enclosure of the Sphinx was water erosion. And that all of the uh, erosion on the Sphinx itself was wind erosion, and then he showed them what they were actually looking at. And you're right; they were all like, "Okay, well, that can't possibly be true." But they all agreed, without without realizing that it was the Sphinx, that the enclosure erosion was certainly water erosion. And there hasn't been water enough water to do that in the in the like nine thousand years or something. something crazy like that. Yeah, exactly. So. That's fascinating, but you're right, man. There's um there's a resistance to the in those academics, those smart people. There's a resistance to to overturning. Have you ever have you ever heard of those art arch, arch, uh, 
fuck? What's the word I'm looking for? Artifacts. <laughs> Artifacts. Yeah. Art that that are misplaced in his history and they're filed away under uh, misplaced history. Yeah. I've uh, seen the example some... I can give is that hammer. Have the you hammer. Seen the, yes, yes. The hammer where the, the 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 boat the wood part turned to coal yeah, and the man. iron part turned to some the the uh, the the periodic what do you call it, elements the elements were changing on the iron because yeah, yeah. it had buried been buried for like ten thousand years yeah so and that goes under the category as misplaced history they don't even they don't even try to figure it out yeah it's crazy it's crazy I don't remember the details but I do I I can picture it because. What happened is they found the hammer encased in the stone, so it's yeah. it, it, so the stone formed over the hammer, and the stone yeah. itself was like I don't remember what it was supposed to be like th- th- hundreds of thousands of years old or, or something. Well, like, no, ridiculous. they said it takes. They said it took. They said it took fifteen to twenty thousand years for organic matter to turn to coal. Right. So right. that gives the handle a carbon. Well, not a carbon date, but kind of a loose date of that of. You know, ten to fifteen thousand. Yeah. Then the uh, that the head of the hammer had no carbon in it. It was just all iron. You know, we use blast furnaces today to get the carbon out of out of iron and out of steel. Yeah. And that was that's technology they sure wouldn't have had before the wheel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, and the, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say the the fact that the wood that the organic part of that the wood it was like in the process of turning into to it was coalification so it's like it, it wasn't completely coal but it was like somewhere in the middle it was it was it had had enough time to begin the process of turning into coal that's that's amazing man amazing yeah and then under magnification the head of the hammer they said over they gave a year that was just like ridiculous they said it was ridiculous. It was like a hundred thousand years or something. But they said if you take a piece of iron and you bury it for a hundred thousand years, the uh, the elements will change on the surface yeah. of the iron to different elements. Yeah, yeah. And this is this has happened to this hammerhead. So that's amazing. So just just I'll add a little bit there for the audience that elements have a half life. Every every element has a half life. It, it's it's. It's decomposing, it's breaking down over time, but it's a very, very long time. So that they can tell, they can tell by the makeup of the metal how long it's been deteriorating, like how long, how long it's been. Essentially, it's a way of dating it, and they can see not only not only is the handle turning into coal, but the but the um, but the atoms that make up the metal are, are have changed significantly from the time they were made, and that takes a very long time. So how in the hell do you have, you know? Do you have? I don't know what the metal is. If it was, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the details at my fingertips. They said it was like ninety-two percent iron and eight percent copper. Interesting. So they mixed the alloy. That's amazing. And there was no carbon, which is impossible to make iron. Mm. Oh yeah. There's always a trace of carbon. That's always a trace. Well, that's yeah. That's how they. That's how they make steel. They add. They add carbon to the right. They add carbon to the alloy. I think that's how they make it. That's interesting, man. But uh, as far as I know, even not even with steel, even with iron, there's going to be some carbon footprint. Mm. As far as I know, I could be wrong. I mean, we're bro facts here. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't really know the exact answer, but 
pretty sure that there has to be some remnants of carbon in anything alloy, anything metal. All right. Hey, this is probably a good time to take a quick break. I'm hearing some noises upstairs. I think maybe our, 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 our guest has arrived. So I'm going to stop the recording just for a second. And we're back. Kyle has joined the crew. I have. So uh, what were you guys talking about before I got here? Um, no, I was asking Chris. Um, I, I forget I started it off. It was something about, you know, Biden being a big pussy. And uh, he couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag. You said Biden, and then yeah, Biden. Yeah, yeah. And then, I, then I, then I brought up the Russian truth movements around the Ukraine. Okay. And uh, I don't even know uh, what that is. I, I have uh, some assumptions, but I don't know what that is necessarily. Uh, well, they've uh, they've it's like two hundred thousand soldiers and lots of sand missiles and lots of. I mean, they're. It, it looks like. I mean, they do these movements often. It's not a new thing where they where they do this kind of thing. But but this time this time it's like uh, kind of like times ten. I mean, they've brought in some heavy artillery and uh, and and double the amount of troops. And I mean, they're knocking on they're knocking on the door. And uh, I just I was asking Chris. I said, uh, you know, what's that got to do with us? Aren't they affiliated somehow with? Isn't the Ukraine affiliated somehow with the West? Um, I know that they're one thing that I, I mean. I always get NATO and the the UN mixed up. I'm pretty sure it's NATO that I'm talking about. It might be the UN though. I know that um, NATO NATO's North American Air Defense. So I don't think that's it. You're probably talking about UN. Yeah. Well, uh, see, the thing about NATO is it's like a more military thing, you know. So what? It, wh- whichever one it is, uh, we keep we are constantly threatening. Vladimir Putin with adding Ukraine to either NATO or the United Nations, whichever one I'm getting it mixed up with. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Ukraine is like kind of affiliated with the West in that way, in that we like keep dangling it over Putin's head. Uh, You know, we're going to be right in your backyard. Um, But the Ukraine is unquestionably tied to Russia. I mean, it's like... You know, I, I'm sure if you told a Ukrainian person that they were Russian, they would be extremely offended. But to a person who doesn't know any better, a guy from Ohio who doesn't know shit, you put a Ukrainian person and a Russian person in front of them, and they're like, "These guys, these guys are brothers." You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, they're, you know, I would say that the Ukraine is more tied to Russia, but it's like, you know, Putin gets pissed off at the way we treat uh, the Ukraine and. I don't really blame him. Like, imagine if China was like, we're going to set up a huge military establishment in Mexico. We'd be like, the fuck you are. You know, (laughs) like, there's no chance in hell we would let that happen. Uh, And that's what we're doing to Vladimir Putin. And he's, you know, uh, uh, understandably uncomfortable with it. You know, it's not... I didn't didn't know that part of it. I didn't know we were trying to build a base in Ukraine. It's like constantly a threat of... uh, I'm pretty sure it is NATO. Us adding the Ukraine to NATO. Kyle's staunch defense of Putin always strikes me as... Uh, I don't like Putin, go, but go ahead. <laughs> no, it just always strikes me as... Kyle has a way of doing that. He has a way of seeing um, things more more objectively like or, or pointing out when... Like when I resist... When I... When he I has re- an obtuse angle all the time. Well, he can kind of see. Well, it's, it's like there's an assumption. There's an assumption that I don't notice. Right. It's like 
I was I was raised during a time when oh yeah yeah sorry I was raised during a time when uh, when you know the Cold War was still a real significant part of the culture and Russians were still all the enemy the villains in all the movies mm-hmm. and so when somebody says Putin this or that I have this instinct to be like fuck that fuck guy, that guy. Yeah, and Kyle a- and, and Kyle's just like you know he, he it's not affecting you the way it's affecting me I I'm be, I'm getting duped by the culture man well and, I'm gonna have to regurgitate my prior theory again for Kyle. Let's hear uh, it. I have this theory now. It might be complete bullshit, but it makes sense on some levels. So try to follow me. Um, uh, Russia, United States were allies in World War Two, right? <clears throat> yeah, for who knows what fucking reason, but sure. Yep. Okay. 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 Well, at least we agree. Okay. So the whole Cold War thing that lasted this whole time—not one shot was ever fired. I mean, the closest thing we came was that Cuba shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I think uh, more recently during the Obama presidency, um, American rockets weren't allowed to be uh, sent into space. You had to go up on a Soyuz rocket <laughs> with the Russians to yep. get to the space station. Yep. And I think, I think that it's misinformation. I think the Russians and the Americans are much more friendly than, I think it's misinformation, dude. I, I really do. I think if they hated each other that bad, something already happened. Yeah, um, I, I think that a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Foreign relations, especially bad foreign relations, is propaganda. Um, I think that a lot of these people who run countries and are calling the shots in massive, you know, these massive entities that we call countries, um, I think that they are... They're all boys. You know, they all, even if they don't really like each other, they're in the same fucking club. Um, maybe they're, you know, they're trying jockeying for position and trying to outpower each other. Um, but it, it's like, a, I mean, when you're that powerful, you don't have any peers except those people. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and well, tell that to Caligulis or whatever, or whoever <laughs> that one motherfucker was that got stabbed up by his own people. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if if there's you know the the beef between Russia and the United States is a, a you know agenda media thing. Like I think almost everything is agenda yeah, media. Yeah, but thing. but it's, I think Josh is saying a step further than that. It's it's not drummed up by the media, but but specifically uh, agreed upon between the United States and Russia to have this right. public animosity. Right. But behind the scenes, there's really nothing going on. Possibly. Right, exactly. and, and, it, and it makes me think of that of that uh, clip that I only saw on Ancient Aliens, but the clip of uh, Obama talking to Putin, or, or not Putin was one of Putin's guys, and he was like, uh, he was like, tell you know, tell Putin to give me space, and yeah, and, we need yeah, we need space back or something. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah, it was yeah. uh, it was uh, I'll remember the guy's name. Fuck, 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 fuck. The goofy one that had the fucking birthmark on his head and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly uh, what it was. But 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 Shit. the implication was that it was code for Obama saying that something about space the United States needs to either have or be perceived to have control over it's outer space, outer space. I don't. I mean, I don't really understand the. Uh... Well, this was a time. This was a time when, like Josh said, we were going to space on Russian rockets because yeah, we couldn't yeah. get in person to, to the space station. We couldn't get our people back from the space station. We had to rely on Russia. And maybe the United States. And it lasted for six years. That's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. And we're we're supposed to be 
We're supposed to be preparing to go to Mars. We can't even get back to the moon. That is to say, if we've been there at all. (laughs) Dude, listen, if you're one of those people that believe we've only been to the moon twice, then you're an idiot. And I'm sorry to call you that. I love you. You're my brother. I don't really feel like you're an idiot. I just feel like, come on, dude. If there was Apollo 11 and Apollo 12, there was clandestine, covert Apollo no, 13, no, no, 14, no. I was 15, saying, 16, I was saying, I was, no, I was saying something different. I was saying, I was implying if we have been there at all, meaning that the the the, the moon landing, the moon is, landing is a hoax. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm not saying I believe that. I'm just making the joke. Yeah. And uh, I did watch a documentary not long ago on the str- like the strongest evidence supporting that, and there was some interesting shit, man. About the moon landing. About the did moon you landing. see the space? Did you see the spacesuit? Um, I'm trying to remember. It was on the same documentary. It was they opened up a footlocker, and there was a spacesuit that yeah. said Apollo 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On it, the path. it was a different color than it was supposed to be. I, I remember. Yeah, he- I it remember was a different that. color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so here's here's the here's the the narrative that makes sense to me. If if there's any legitimacy to the idea that we that we faked it. Oh, I remember what the. Oh, I remember. Let me tell you this first. All right, so so then. You, you got to knock that wind off if you're breathing into the, the phone. Or no, I'm outside smoking. It's not no, working out. No, back inside you go, buddy. Back inside. Put that, put that cigarette out. He thought he was breathing into the phone. That's, that's a heavy-ass breath, man. Well, come on, Darth Vader. I'm trying to – I'm going to forget this. So, so here's the thing that, that was interesting to me. So you know how like when the spaceship is far enough away from the Earth, the radio communication is, <coughs> is delayed because it takes a little while for the signal to get to the Earth. So when Neil Armstrong was um, was speaking about halfway uh, to the moon, he was speaking to uh, ground control. You could hear the voices of ground control and uh, Neil Armstrong on the radio. And uh, <coughs> after after a, a minute of silence, you you hear a third person's voice say, "Talk," and then then that. you hear Neil Armstrong talk. And so and so the conspiracy is there's a four second delay from halfway to the moon. And that's exactly how many seconds of silence went by until the voice said, talk. So, oh, so the, idea, the idea is he was being queued up to, to sound like he was on a delay when he wasn't. And, and the whole idea behind the space race and the Russians getting, getting Sputnik in outer space before we ever had anything out there, getting uh, Yuri Gagarin into space before we ever got a man to space, that we were way behind. So the, the idea that you know, how, that, that government would have got with Hollywood and said, "Look, man, our program is behind. We need to we need to have a, a victory here." The president promised the American people we were going to get to the moon by nineteen by nineteen sixty nine. So let's make a video. <laughs> so let's make a video, and we'll put it out there, and we'll convince the world that we that we went to the moon, and that'll buy us time t- till our technology gets to the point where we can actually get to the moon. That it's not that, out of the realm of possibility. That doesn't sound like out of the realm of possibility to me at no, all. Not at all. There's a bunch of weird shit about the moon. I'm not like one of these people who's hard and fast on we did not go to the moon. But there's a bunch of weird shit about the moon, just like there's a bunch of weird shit about 9-11. True. You know, anything... 9-11 was a controlled demolition, period. Anything where the government comes out and says, this is the official story. Conspiracy talk. I'm just not, I, you know, I just don't believe it. Maybe it sounds it bullshit. Every, every word following this is the official story is bullshit. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think that's, I think the last two years of life with the, with the, with the media, that's part of the reason why I 
couldn't believe the moon landing hoax where oh, yeah. 10 years ago I would have said, oh, that's, you know, that's an interesting idea, but there's no way. Yeah. Now I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. God. So to, to go back to Russia, if, if there, you know, if Josh's theory is wrong that the, uh, the animosity between the United States and Russia is real, um, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Russia won. I mean, you know, even if they didn't win, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would say that America won the Cold War because the Soviet Union fell. But then you look at uh, the effect that, like, Trotskyist thought has had on the United States about winning the culture. Don't mm. worry about the government. Mm. Win the culture. Turn all of these people into fucking communists, and eventually the government's going to change. Oh, boy. Um yeah, I, I think that they didn't win through the means that everyone talks about, but I, I think Russia won. Dude, that's that's one of the long the long games th- things that we've talked about, where like the conservatives are terrible at it, but the liberals are really good about playing the long game. Yep. And and there's, today there's not a big difference between the progressives and communists, maybe none. And what you just described is exactly right, man. It's like we we start affecting the culture, and o- over a hundred years time. Well, the com- communists will take over, even though we, they never could have won militarily. Yeah. We're just going to poison the fucking culture, and after enough time, just inch by inch, you know, t- take it over. That's what's happened, man. Joseph McCarthy. They're did poisoning. They're poisoning the culture the most part through social media and all that bots and shit, dude. Hey, man. Before we leave the topic of the moon, <coughs> um, I did say I wanted to talk about the cube that the, that was cube shape that they took a picture of the Chinese rover took a picture of on the far side of the moon and I've got it pulled up on the computer for Kyle and I to see I know what it is what is it that lab that's a lab on the moon where they created COVID <laughs> for sure <laughs> where the Chinese created COVID so so th- so it's kind of interesting so there's a picture of the moon surface of the moon um, on the horizon you know it's black you can be- you can't see it really any stars in the picture um, what you do see is a high, a higher elevated piece of <coughs> rock or whatever, whatever it is. It's it's like a far away, but from the distance, it looks like it has right angles. It looks like a cube, like like a building in the distance. And the Chinese, when they when this picture was aired, they said they were going to get the rover closer. And I have seen no more pictures. It's been like three or four days. I've seen no other pictures of this. So this is well. Let's say let's say for a second the moon the moon landing was real. Okay. Uh, if so, and there was a bunch of classified missions to go back that you don't know anything about, it's not it's not hard to believe that there is man made structures on the moon that are classified. What do you think? we would do on the moon if we had if we had 50 years to do whatever we wanted on the moon with the limitations of like getting shit up there it's not easy to get shit up there what do you think we what do you think we would have done on the moon i think it's not about i think getting shit up there is the hard part i think the goal would be bringing back the uh the soil the helium three uh i don't know anything about it i was really hoping you were going to say bring back aliens the moon doesn't have atmosphere, so it's always bombarded by uh, cosmic rays. Uh, and shit. Yeah, cosmic cosmic energy, and the soil there is is uh, so radioactive, and they call it helium three. It's yeah. actually on the periodic table, and they said like a teaspoon of this shit could power New York for like fifty years. What? And it's clean, and it burns, and it's not like a it's not like a, a pollutant. I never heard of that. If that's the case, that's a that's Crazy. amazing. 
Yeah, but the thing is, Chris, the thing is, and this is the thing that I brought up when I first heard about it, the moon controls the tides. The moon controls so many things. You want to really start taking chunks out of it? Well, I What mean, would happen to our climate if you took a big chunk of the moon away? Yeah, but the question is, how much could we possibly take from the moon? And what, would it be enough to make a difference? I mean, yeah. That's, I'm, will, that's, I'm, willing, I'm willing to roll the dice for... It's for... a good question. <laughs> if you think about the Earth, and I, I know the Earth is a lot bigger than the moon, but the moon is still fucking huge. Think about all the mining we've been doing since we started mining. We haven't put a fucking dent in this motherfucker. Yeah. You know? Uh, it, the Earth is incomprehensibly big. Uh, and I think the moon, if you're standing on it, is incomprehensibly big, too. Like, they mine salt from underneath Lake Erie. Yeah. There are mines, massive yeah, salt yeah. mines underneath Lake Erie. That's fucking trippy, man. So, listen, I agree, and I think that it's probably unlikely that even, like, massive industrial mining operations could reduce the mass of the moon enough to affect the tides. But let's say we did. Let's say over a thousand years' time, we took out like a third of the of the mass of the moon, and we used it for energy. That means that well, we'd be all lit up, but we'd be fucking swallowed up by tsunamis and shit. We'd ha- well, we'd have to have floating cities by then or something. But yeah, because you're right. We, what what would happen is there would be less gravitational pull on the tides. So d- would that mean we would have less? I don't know if that would mean. Uh, I think it would be more. But it would probably change the weather. It would probably change the the jet stream and all that shit. Like it would be catastrophic, I'm sure. Oh yeah. But we'd have free energy. Huh. Free. But they brought back some of that supposedly. If you believe they went to the moon, they brought back rock samples and yeah. helium three samples and all that stuff. And that's when they put it in the lab and figured out that it was like a unlimited power source. It was like, uh, I forget how they activated it. I don't know if it was lasers or heat or however the fuck they did it, but um, they were able to generate enough power to run not just New York City, but the East Coast. So Massachusetts, Maryland, New York, like the whole East Coast for a long time. It's crazy. Yeah, it's and interesting. So, I mean, if if if... There's other countries out there that don't give a fuck. They need energy. So I, I, I just want to I just want to point out I just want to point out how how uh, we're talking we're talking right on the edge of of um, of uh, uh, comprehensibility with our scientific knowledge because because <laughs> we're because long what, past because what, what Josh just explained is it makes perfect sense to me is we get this moon rock back to the Earth. We scan it with like a laser gun, and it just says exactly. infinite source of energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it says in the laser gun. You're like, oh shit, Your look what we found. Your energy bar shoots through the roof. Uh, but, you know, um, that's interesting. You know, I, I mean, I know like um, some of the history of when they, when they found there's like a particular isotope of uranium. I can't remember what it's called, like 2233 or something. Uranium 226. It's got one, a name like that. There's a particular isotope of uranium that that has enough radioactivity and, and the right, you know, properties that we can use it to make um, nuclear weapons with. So we need a very specific type of this particular material. And if it turns out that 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 all we have on Earth to use is like this type of uranium and plutonium, but on the moon they have hydrogen three, and it's even better. Like that makes sense to me. Sure. But we're talking way beyond my comprehension of this i'm talking completely yeah, this, out of my ass this, this is all bro science bro science <laughs> you, ever, you guys ever see that clip of bill o'reilly on the o'reilly factor where he's talking to the atheist 
And uh, the atheist, you know, obviously the atheist is being a disrespectful dickhead, like, you know, obviously, like like atheists (laughs) tend to be sometimes, Uh, you know, the type of atheist I'm talking about. Uh, And Bill O'Reilly is arguing the case for God. And he's talking about the tide. He's like, tide goes in, tide goes out. You can't explain that. (laughs) The guy's like, actually, you know, I can. Uh, But but you can't really. Like you can you can rattle off the science of yeah when the moon does this the the tide does that and maybe even if you know the mathematics you can explain you can really explain it but why why do the ma- why do the mathematics work that way you know yeah uh, I yeah oh yeah I I just think that even scientists are full of shit that's basically they, they are yeah most of them so jo- Josh I want to give you where my mind went about the moon and the, like the military's interest on the moon. And uh, mm-hmm. this is like the only idea I had, and it seems completely unrealistic. And the idea is that even though it's really difficult to get things off of the Earth so that you can get them to the moon, once you have them mm-hmm. there, it's super easy to get them off the moon because gravity oh, is yeah. way lower. So imagine you had you basically jump back. Imagine you had some sort of um, you know missile system on, <laughs> on the moon. It would be the most efficient way of getting like huge payloads of of uh, you know destruction anywhere on the earth you want them you just basically you remember ronald reagan's star wars program or were you yeah. young for that yeah I, no, I remember hearing about it yeah all right well he had this uh this weapon it was designed by i forget if it was boeing or i forget one of the aircraft companies and it was a satellite <clears throat> now they reused it in the gi joe movie so you might be familiar with it mm-hmm. but it was these I don't know how many tons, but they were tungsten rods and they were just target. And then they drop a tungsten rod on a target and have all the fallout of a nuclear weapon without any of the radiation. Mm. It was just, 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 just the, the impact of this tungsten rod hitting the earth. And uh, it was like Reagan's baby. Oh, wow. That is, yeah, it was Reagan's baby. He, uh, he was really, really big into it and actually had the had the people from Lockheed Martin and NASA and everything have it all drawn up to where it was it was they were gonna have to use three or four rockets to get it everything up there to put it together. But uh so you, you, I wouldn't pass our I wouldn't put it past our government to, to build that shit and and, 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 and no, sneak it up there, you know what no, I mean? No, that that's super interesting. So you're talking about like the ability to just rain down tungsten rods that when they hit the earth would create like megaton explosions yes just the just the the, the conduction or convection or whatever you call it when something heavy hits something dude it's like so a, just that like power ready, enough would be more than any nuclear explosion you could think of it's like a ready-made asteroid impact dude and it and it's exactly. and, it, and it's cheap and it's low tech so listen, yeah. man, this, so, so this is what comes to mind. Um, shout out to John Michael because only he's going to get this reference. There was, a, there was some fantasy books that my cousin read growing up that he got me into. There were a lady named um, Anne McCaffrey. She wrote these, these books about dragons. And what happens in the story is human, be- human beings leave, leave the earth and they go to some other planet to survive because they have to. And on this planet, there's these, there's, there's these like lizards that live, you know, alien lizard creatures and they fly they look like dragons but they're little and these people are super technologically advanced the planet is called pern by the way these guys are super technologically advanced because they managed to leave the earth and find a new planet to to live on (coughs) so they they, shout out to the reptilians (laughs) 
So they, so they're able to uh, put these fire lizards into. They genetically manipulate them to make them large, like actual dragons. And then the people ride them like actual dragons. And there's these organic rocks that they eat, and they like I can belch fire. So they've basically created real life dragons that that they can use. And he, he, the, the reason that they did that is because. Every, like, so many years, one of the moons gets close enough to the planet that the gravity pulls the creatures from this other planet onto the pern, onto the Earth. And what happens is they're called thread. And that's because they look like big silver threads that fall out of the sky. And when they hit the ground, they do like what Josh just described. They eat. They basically destroy all, everything. They destroy all the organic material. If they if they touch you, they'll burn you. They'll kill you. And so, as Josh was describing, these tungsten rods dropping from the fucking you know orbit and landing on you know a city and just the impact of these rods destroying everything. I'm I'm my mind is filled with these fantasy images of thread falling onto Pern. Yeah. So I'm sharing that story with you because. Well, because I've got you as captive audience, nice you son of a bitch. What do you think of that story? What's that book called? Um, Dragon Riders of Pern, The White Dragon. I'm trying to remember what they were called. Um, it sounds like science fiction based on, based, kind, of based on kind of based on fiction. Based on mythology, yeah. It's c- kind of cool, man. Yeah. It's like a, it's got some fantasy elements, too. Like, dragons are kind yep. of a fantasy and thing. And it's super high-tech. It's like fantasy meets sci-fi. Yeah. Which, which there's, sweet. there's probably there's probably a lot more of that stuff out there, but that seems like... should be more of it. Right up my alley, man. Yeah, yeah. What the hell? That's me crushing a plastic bottle. Um, what were, were... Oh, we were talking about tungsten rods. That's right. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't, that is crazy. That that uh, the idea of a a ready-made asteroid impact that you can control. That's pretty that pretty is, fucking scary. That is crazy. You know, especially when you talk about or when you know about like Graham Hancock, Randall Carlson, that type of shit. Mm. The devastating effects that that can mm. have on the world. That type of an impact, you know, like that could fuck the entire world up. Oh, for sure. You know, like for thousands of years, tens of thousands of years. You know that that would be. Cheaper and more effective than the hyper than the hypersonic missiles that the Chinese are are threatening the world with right now. Yeah, you know they've got hypersonic missiles that nobody else has, and you know America's afraid. But if we had fucking tungsten rods, if we had if we had Ronald Reagan's baby up there, we'd have no concerns. Yeah. All right, I got I got something. We very well may. True. Yeah, that would be interesting. I got I got another interesting tidbit that I learned on the Joe Rogan experience. Um, he, he had Steven Pinker on, and uh, he said something interesting. They were talking about the hurricanes and uh, Fukushima, because Joe brought up Three Mile Island and um, the one over in Russia. What was it called? Um, Chernobyl. Chernobyl. They were, Chernobyl. They, were, they were talking about these different nuclear power plants and you know why we're not building them in the United States. And he said um, that the Fukushima plant is an old, one of the older style plants. It's actually you know. It it only had like one backup, and it it just it wasn't engineered well enough. Yeah, I didn't know this, but during that hurricane, um, in another village in Japan, the people went to their nuclear power plant for shelter. Wow! Because that's how much better that's how much better the new ones are. So the Fukushima is melting down and destroying you know destroying whole villages and. Nearby, other people are going to their nuclear yeah. power plant for shelter. Yeah, the argument against nuclear power is completely fucking nonsensical. Um, nuclear power is 
head and shoulders the safest form of energy. Like, and, and statistically, there's no argument. Um, yeah. It's the cleanest. It's the safest. Everything about it is the best. But they have, you know, the media and what it really boils down to is, you know, other means of producing energy that are currently, ha- you know, uh, on their way out. What about out, like basically. wind turbines? What about solar panels? What about them? Well, I mean, I don't know if they produce enough energy as a nuclear engine, no, but not even close. Like, um, I mean, they both are sciences that are like in their infancy. We really don't know. Like, uh, you can't take solar energy and store it um, um, effectively. That's like one of the huge drawbacks to it. Um, uh, and, you know, so supposedly Elon Musk is creating some sort of battery that you'll be able to do that with. But um, yeah, no, uh, as far as I can tell, nuclear energy is the most effective, the safest. Uh, but for some reason, there's this uh, this huge, you know, you know how they talk about nuclear right. energy, like it's going to be Three Mile Island and Chernobyl and all that shit over again, mm. which is just not. It's way the new plants, like you said, people are going to them for shelter because they're super duper safe. Um you have, either of you watched that show Chernobyl on HBO? I didn't. Got no, it. but I watched the uh, I watched uh, that one dude go fishing there. What? River monsters. <laughs> he went to Chernobyl. River monsters. The uh, guy from River yeah, monsters yeah. went to Chernobyl, bro. Crazy, Crazy bastard. Man. He didn't eat that fish, did he? No, he doesn't eat any. He throws them all back, mm. but <clears throat> he found some genetically engineered shit. Though he found some crazy shit. What? Like what? Um. Uh, some kind of, I don't know if it was a sturgeon or something, or an Asian carp or something, but it was, it was like six feet long and 90 pounds. Damn. And, uh, the, the, the size of that fish is supposed to top out at three feet long and 50 pounds. That's crazy. Yeah. I was, um, I just heard somebody talking about in the fifties, um, how they would, they, how they would, uh, use r- radiation to make crops grow super big and they would be like prize pumpkins at the at the oh, at yeah. the 4-H carnival whatever they call those things <laughs> um, uh, and, and fair. It, it, yeah that was like a that was like a thing uh, before people were concerned that radiation was harmful yeah, that is I'd crazy. like to take a Geiger counter to one of them pumpkins I know I know alright so um, I, while we were talking earlier I pulled up pictures of some of the stuff that Josh and I were talking about before you got here yeah yeah so this one here that we're I've looking at I've seen this the eye of Africa you've seen the eye of Africa yeah. that's that's the wrist shot structure so so now Josh we're looking at pictures and I'm s- sorry you can't see you can see the white the white bits in the picture here this is the salt and these rings you know mm-hmm. so this apparently it's was Atlantis baby yeah apparently this was um, a caldera like this was a volcano so it would raise over time and then it would collapse and then it would raise back up and it would collapse oh. and this is why you see the rings the rings are, are are a natural structure apparently but people build on mountains all the time sure. it's not like it's, it wouldn't be unusual for people to use this yeah you you you, blah, blah, blah. you utilize landscape all the time absolutely and then they're, right, we're looking at a side by side of like an uh, like an artist rendering of Atlantis and then this this wrist shot structure and it's unbelievable man it's unbelievable yeah and this is the other thing we talked about this is um saw this cave painting in algeria this is the guy with the mushroom hands i was telling josh about what i didn't remember in the picture now that i have it up edward mushroom is it's it's not just his fingers that are mushrooms he's got mushrooms growing along his entire body dude looks like he's got a bunch of dicks growing out of him that's what it looks like yeah they definitely they definitely made him you know a, a little dick there 
Uh, he's got like antlers, you know, coming off his head. He's got like a bees looking face, big eyes. And then there's those, you know, like in the, in the caves, they would, they would put their hand up against the wall and then they would blow this ochre powder over their hand. So they, they would leave the imprint of their hand. And that you also have that in the picture. It's fucking awesome. So I, I ordered a copy of this in a frame from somebody on Etsy and from Canada. Nice. And it's going to go right here on the wall. Sweet. This is, I'm gonna, I got a couple of pictures like this, some of these crazy psychedelic pictures that are historical that I want to put on the wall. Yeah, that's a pretty cool looking picture. Fuck yeah. Um, where was this at? This is in Algeria somewhere. Okay. Oh, is that actually? Well, you're going to have to send me the images because I've never seen any of this stuff. This is the image here. Yeah, I'll send it to you. All right, what else we got, you guys? I don't know, man. I didn't really have anything prepared. I just kind of dropped in on you. Yeah, this was actually just a bullshit phone call that turned into a podcast. Oh, really? This was. Yeah, we, we, yeah. we were doing it for 30 minutes before we started recording, and we've been recording for an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, which just shows to go you, everyone, how easy it is to have a podcast. Yeah. And, um, oh, I was, I was telling Chris, Kyle, tell me what you think about this. <clears throat> I want, like, I want to overdub your guys' podcast with like a 12 panels of sound effects. I want to like, like, no, 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 hear me out. Like when you guys were talking about socks for 15 minutes, I wish I had a button that just went, boo. You know what I mean? talking about my $50 socks. (laughs) Yeah. And there was other times where I wish I had an applause or a, you know what I mean? Like, Sure. I just, I don't know. I think it might be neat if we overdubbed them and then you could release them as the same title overdubbed by Josh or whatever. And then like, see if you get any feedback. Cause I think, I think there's a lot of slick shit you say that goes right over Chris's head. Like it's kind of funny, but nobody ever laughs at it. Uh, Kyle, you know what I mean? No, Kyle gets, Kyle gets into joke mode a lot, but yeah, I, you I'm know, constantly trying to make jokes here. Um, you know where, Kyle, you know where Kyle gets me is not with the jokes. It's with, it's with the, the, it's the things that he'll say sometimes that are just one step too far. You don't expect it, and it's it's always something. It's always something about. What do you mean? When you say too far, what do you mean? It's like something. You're gonna make no, th- think of an example. Like, um, let me think here for a second. No, you don't have to think of an example. But I just like. I, I mean, know, like, when you say too far, you like I'm saying something inappropriate. Something like offensive. Offen- that would be offensive to a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's where where. A reasonable number of people would say that that you went too far. I don't. Well, fuck them. They don't got to yeah. listen. Yeah, I mean, I, I. It's this is how I this is how I react. Oh, that's how I react to it. <laughs> well, that's funny because in the early days of this podcast, I wanted, uh, and I don't know when I stopped doing this, but honestly, for like. Uh, quite a while I was making a conscious effort to say one of those things every episode to try to get one of those reactions out of you um, one time I remember I said something about I made some kind of joke about um, like parents not wanting their mentally handicapped children like it was obvious you know I don't feel that way yeah. I don't have you know yeah, yeah. but you were like oh you know, yeah. it was like a bad one yeah I, 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 re- I forget what I was saying what I was like comparing it to but yeah that one got you good yeah, you, I mean when you brought it up just now I was like no yeah. <laughs> I don't want to you guys, you guys you guys ever watched that show the Vikings of course yeah uh, I remember how they yeah. would take their disfigured kids and they would just put them out in the cold winter and let yeah. them die. Yeah, it's like three hundred, yeah. you know. Yeah, like three hundred. Yeah, yeah, man, that's <clears throat> tough. But you know, you got to put yourself in the in the in the 
in the you know perspective of people at that time. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right, but Jesus, man, I mean, when you're when you're living a, that hard of a life and somebody's a liability, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, man? Yeah, I think that um, having. Uh, I mean, I don't know. There's, I'm trying to think of the least offensive way to say this, um, <laughs> but I think that in a like a, a hunter gatherer slash um, agricultural style life, having a I don't know a mentally handicapped son uh, would maybe be good. You know, it's like a lot of people who are mentally handicapped, they're not so like disabled that they can't live. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have this guy who's simple and, you know, wants to wants to please his mom and dad is going to live with them forever, you know, is potentially capable enough to, like, help them do things, take care of them in some ways. Um, yeah, I, I just I think that it was probably unless they were like really, really, you know, like physically disabled where they can't move. I, I, I bet you they didn't care too much. You know, you know what this conversation makes me think of oh, is um, makes me think of because Josh brought, brought up the uh, Vikings. Hey, Josh, you're going to stop eating and sucking on a straw and smoking cigarettes while we're doing this podcast. Um, I'm not eating or sucking on a straw. I was just rubbing my thumb across the speaker on accident. All right, stop doing that. So uh, what Josh brought up, Vikings, you, you remember how how Floki was kind of like, if if there wasn't a role for a crazy man in this society, he would be a homeless man, you know. In our in our society, he would be a homeless drug drug you know addict on the street living in a tent. That's who Floki would be, but in their culture, he was the shaman. He had a, he had a place in society for a crazy man, and uh, it. I don't know where I was going with this story, other than that we don't we don't we don't really have a place for we don't have a socially acceptable place for crazy people anymore, and, or or like those people in India where a kid will be born super deformed, and instead of being like like a. Uh, something that is disgraceful to the family, they worship it. Like they're, they're like this. This creature is like an incarnation of pr- Prajapati. She's got four arms, mm. or something like that. Like we don't have any socially acceptable place for crazy or or severely handicapped people. Yeah, that's we pr- true. We pretend to, but in fu- in India, they fucking have a place. Yeah, our place for them is hidden away in a psycho home, or you know, psycho, <laughs> psycho home. <laughs> oh uh, man, that's not politically correct. Yeah, whatever, man. Um. Uh. But yeah, that's that's our place for them. It's like uh, we talked about with the uh, those president people, the ones, the one who got shot in the head, his family, Kennedy's, Kennedy sisters. the Kennedys. Oh, yeah, the Kennedys, yeah. They yeah. locked her away. They just they did. They yeah. lobotomized yeah, her, they, bro. They fucked sure. her up and then locked her away. They sure did. That's what that's what America does. Um, and but, all she was doing wrong was partying and getting into the hippie culture, fucking yeah. people and shit. Sounds this is this is where you this is where you say something insensitive, Kyle. <laughs> no, I've, I've already I already said psycho home. What more do you want, man? Um, I got I, I got one for you that's right on the edge of um, insensitive. No, 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 not insensitive. Oh. This is just something that I'm inserting into the conversation. This is a Chris topic. Okay. All right. You know how you know how in in Christianity, I I don't know where this is in the Bible or if this is just something that it, it you know was created later. Um, the phrase that your that your body is the temple of God. I, I'm sure that's biblical, right? You've heard that before. Your mm-hmm. your body is is the temple of God. Your body is a temple. I remember hearing this growing up because it was when it was it was about tattoos being taboo. Uh, so don't get a tattoo because it's a sin. Smoke because, cigarettes. Because though. your body is the temple of the Lord, and you shouldn't you shouldn't desecrate it. Is this ringing a bell to you, Josh? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So we have this idea, we accept it. Your, bo- your body is the temple of God. And then it makes me think of what a temple was to those people. You know, a temple was a place where God was present. It's the place where God resided. And that's why you would have a statue in the temple because when you were there worshiping Zeus, Zeus was, was he comes down and he, he embodies the statue. The God is there in the temple. And we still talk about that. Like in the, from the Jewish perspective, the Holy of Holies was the place only the high priest could go because he's going to encounter God there. That's where God is physically present. The reason I go into this with you is because that's what a temple is. It's a place where God can go to exist. It's the place where God can go to be there on earth. God, that's the temple. And then the Bible tells us that your body is the temple of God. So in my, in, from my mystic perspective, you have every Christian I, who I know who would agree the body is the temple, the place where God goes to reside. And I say hippie shit all the time that, that you know, human, human beings, and, you know, we're, we're God. You know, every, everybody's God. Everything is God. I say that all the time, constantly. And every Christian, your mom and my mom included, would say, "You are a sinner. You are yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're going down the path of of you know you're the wrong, down the wrong path. This is not this is not real." And I continue to say that, but every Christian would say that your body your body is the temple, meaning you are the place where God goes to reside. Is that any different than me saying that you are God? Um, well, you know, it's just it's like a postmodern thing. It's just an interpretation issue I think uh, and I don't know where the interpretation for people like my mom and your mom comes from where it's like I don't understand the disconnect because I'm with you it seems it makes sense what you're saying you know uh, so I don't understand why it can't be um, I don't understand why they can't believe what they believe and believe what you believe that's what I'm saying if you if you believe that your body is the temple of God, that means something like the Spirit of God comes down and exists within you. How does that mean you are not God? It seems to me that's pretty that you're saying the same thing, man. And it's it's for me with my mom, it's also super confusing because she'll believe, like she'll hear what you're saying now, and she'll be like, "No, that's that's Satan," you know. <laughs> uh, but then she'll believe wholeheartedly that God breathed himself into humans and like it's like what is the difference there what is the difference one of those one of those is a different kind of poetry it's just a different kind of poetry man mm-hmm. I'm I, you know yeah I don't get it what do you think of that Josh um <laughs> it's just a modern it's just as a perspective I mean I feel like religion to be a personal thing I feel like um this is my personal opinion, but I feel like your relationship with you and whatever you preserve, uh, whatever you feel like is your creator or your God should be between you and that. And you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. that's why I'm so against organized churches and shit. Um, well, uh, let me ask you this, man. I, I think I've always, I've always been on the same page. I never really liked the idea of organized religion. I didn't like the idea of getting together with other people to worship because I, like you, I believe that's very personal. It's the most intimate thing, really. It's your relationship with the deepest part of yourself. That's what religion is. You can't share that with anybody. So if you go to a place with a bunch of other people and you put on your Sunday best, you're doing something else there. You're doing something else. You're not... You're not worshiping God. You're not connecting with the deepest part of yourself. You're being social. You're showing off your 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 new tie. You know, you're doing other things there. 
But but yeah. here, but, but here's the thing. As I got older, I realized, like when you go to a concert and you lose and you lose yourself in the crowd, and especially with the music, because music is such a part of that, where you can kind of free up your your ego and like kind of d- dissolve the borders, uh, you know, of your of what you consider yourself. You kind of become part of the crowd. That is a religious experience. It absolutely is. And I can understand in, as I get older that some people can feel that at church. Some people can feel that when, when they're praying and they're mm-hmm. singing hymns. But it's, I've just never been, I've never been that person. Not for me. Have you ever been to a black church? No. no. Well, I've been to many. Yep. And let me tell you something. <laughs> right. That freaks me the fuck out. <laughs> what what they about call it? It, They call it catching the Holy Ghost. That's yep. what they call it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Where they start tongue talking and fucking twitching and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember being so scared as a child in this black church, and these people would stand up and scream and catch the Holy Ghost and start talking in tongues. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, dude. I mean, I thought it was it was almost the opposite of God. Like it felt like some satanic shit. So I witnessed Grandma speak in tongues one time when I was about 10 years old, and uh, I felt the same way. I was scared. I was fucking scared. I was like, <laughs> what is this? But I got to ask you, man, who did you go to black church with? Who, who was it? Do you remember? All my friends were black, dude, until I was I know 15. that. I'm asking who. Who did you go to church uh, with? You want me to remember a name? Would I, would I, know, would I, would I know the person? Well... All my black friends that you know are from the new neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, uh, there was these two kids that lived on the service drive, probably six, seven houses down, an older brother and a younger brother. And I went to church with them a couple times. I forget their names. Uh, interesting. And then I went to church with uh, with uh, Cribble's, neighbor, Cribble, Cribble's neighbor, neighbor Jordan. Well, his name's Lewis, but everybody calls him Jordan. Yeah. Uh, his dad was a Columbus police officer and Jordan was in trouble. So he had to go to church every Sunday. And <laughs> we just kind of bit the bullet with him. So he wouldn't be in there by himself. So me and Cribble went with Jordan and, uh, it, it was very strange. It was not like any, any, uh, you know, quote unquote white church that I've ever been to. I've seen some white people speak in tongues in my day. And I remember when I saw it, I had already been told by my grandma and my mom that that was not, that was like, um, I wouldn't even, they didn't tell me that it wasn't real. They told me that it wasn't of God. So like, yeah. I think they were, un, you know, under the same impression that Josh is that it are, you know, at least by the looks of it, that it was like not God, yeah, yeah. you know, it was a uh, devilish. And I remember when I saw it, even at that age, I was already like, no, this is this isn't God or the devil. This is bullshit. <laughs> like that's what I was like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. I got the same feeling. Like they just wanted attention and shit. Yeah. So did did you, Josh? Did you get to? Add, I mean, did you ask them any any questions about it, or were you just too too young and naive and just let it Dude, go? I was so sketched. What are you talking about? I was ready to get out of there as soon <laughs> as possible. I didn't want to talk to nobody, dude. I wanted to get home to my white family. So I wanted to get home to my white family. So, so I listen. I never been. To, I never been to black church, but I have been to a bunch of different types of Christian churches. I went to a Catholic church a few times. I went to a, I went to a Lutheran church 
Um, I went to a mosque with my buddy Mejdi in Florida. Mejdi. Um, I, I, I've been to some interesting places, um, but, but, but black church isn't one of them. Although I did have a friend that I worked with at, um, uh, for a long time named Keisha, who I, I speak fondly of, uh, still, still think fondly of. She was a little bit older than me. She was a, a military brat and I worked with her. Um, and she was the, the one, like she was the one black person in my social circle that was so cool about talking to me about, about, race and culture and in, in, in our differences. And she was perfectly happy to talk to me and, and never made me feel like I was being insensitive or asking a stupid question. She was awesome. And we need more people like that. We need more bridges. We need more kind bridges. And Keisha was one of them bridges. And um, she talked to me about church and she said some stuff to me that uh, made me question the kind of enthusiasm that you're talking about, Josh. She said she had... Uh, one of one of these Sundays coming up was going to be her Sunday, and I'm like, "What do you mean by that? Like she's leading the service, or she has some role that, that it switches out from person to person? This is going to be her week." And she was she was having this argument with herself about how she wanted to do it. She was planning it out. She was you know, and what she what she had in mind was like, like how how enthusiastic do I want to get? How flamboyant do I want to get? Do I want to do I want to you know, uh, throw my arms up in the air. She's planning a do, performance. Do, exactly. Yeah. Do I want to run around? At what point am I going to get filled with the spirit? And uh, it was it was theatrical. Mm-hmm. So she was explaining to me how all of this stuff is theatrical, and um, she didn't put it that way. But that's how she explained it to me that she she was you know cho- choreographing this thing, and uh, that to me that made it seem like. Um, <coughs> Less, less legitimate, less spiritually legitimate. You know, like if you're, if you know, if it's expected of you to to act this way, and so you're putting on a show. I don't know, man. Let me tell you, when I am in the throes of a mushroom trip or an acid trip, I'm not planning that. It's just coming, you know. <laughs> yes, so, um, yeah, no, it seems ingenuine for sure. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe that's insensitive. I'm sure. I'm sure it's. There are some people that have legitimate. I feel like it's. It's probably. It's probably more than half ingenuous. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I. I mean, I don't see a, a, a person going up there and getting shot by the Holy Ghost. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man! Like, <clears throat> you're gibbering and jabbering and shaking and twitching and running and screaming and smacking shit and. I mean, you're, that is a performance. All this reminds me, have you guys ever seen that video where the lady's like, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes? <laughs> you see that? It's a lady in a black church. Uh-uh. Oh, it's, it's fucking hilarious. You have to look it up later. So so, what, so while you guys are talking, I, the, I got these thoughts come, going through my head, and I don't know how racist they are, so I'm going to run it by you. you. You let me know what you think. I like this game. This is not, this is not, the spirit of this is not racist, but this is what I'm thinking of, guys. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of white church, and by white church, I'm thinking of like my ex-wife's church specifically. I'm thinking about the white. the most buttoned up um, church. I mean, this was specifically this was mostly really old people, and it was very old fashioned, and it was structured the same way every time. It was exactly the same service every fucking time, yeah. and it was the most boring, spiritless singing. A bunch of obedient white people facing front, doing the same thing exactly the same way every Sunday, and getting the fuck out of there to the same restaurant and home. It was the most sterile and uh, un 
you know, you're describing my early childhood. Exactly. So, yeah. he, so you know, the the most spiritless white church, and then I'm picturing what Josh is describing: this enthusiastic um, sort of I don't know. If, if you just we're going to call it black church. We'll call it black church. This enthusiastic, you know, uh, spirit filled, theatrical people get into it kind of experience. It couldn't be more different. And so this is where my mind goes. For 100,000 years or 200,000 years or whatever, black people in Africa developed religions, nature religions. You know the kind I'm talking about, where the kind that they're wearing those crazy masks and doing those crazy dances and the, the rhythmic drumming and the ecstatic ritual and they're dancing, they're dancing, they're jumping up and down, they're doing that crazy shit. And they're, and they're working themselves up into a religious frenzy and they're having religious experience and that's beautiful. But you know what I mean? It's, not, it's so foreign from white church that you mm-hmm. can't even imagine the two even being the same, the same thing. Yeah. Then you take, those, you take those black people from Africa with that type of religion mm-hmm. and you stick, them in, you, stick, you stick them in the Western world in white church. And what you end up with is a hybrid. And that's what we're talking about. The, the theatrical, the dancing, and the and the um, you know the running, you the running you around. Take a bit of, you mean if you stick them in a black church? I mean if you take if you take Africans from Africa with that type of a tribal religion and you plop them in white church, that's what they turn white church into. I think that happens with pretty much everything. Like I, I remember hearing about when the people who lived up in Scandinavia were Christianized, Jesus became like a warrior. He became like a guy who carried a sword. You know, he was a badass. That's interesting. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think that however your culture goes, the religion's going to affect your culture and your culture's going to affect the religion. Mm, Couldn't have Um, said it better. Yeah. Um, But I think that, I do think that's interesting. Um, It does... I think you're right. It does like borders right on being racist there because you're like these black people are just getting down in the church. You know, it's like I don't mean any disrespect by it. And the thing is, like, I I think racism is kind of bullshit anyway. So it is when I describe sitting in boring white church and not and it being spiritless. What I mean is, if you sit me in that church, I'm not having any spiritual experience. I'm bored. I want I want to go home. But the ty- the type of thing that's happening in tribal Africa when they're doing a boga and dancing for four days mm-hmm. and you know they're ha- they those people are having out of body experiences mm-hmm. they're having crazy visions those people are doing something something spiritual that's not happening in church I'm not saying it's 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 somehow less I, I I'm saying there's value to that that's being injected into the, into European style religion I'll say this I think it is less. I think that the uh, a lot of like American Christian culture is less than those tribal well, because well, those tribal people are feeling something. But you're They're, agreeing with me. You're, yeah, you're yeah, agreeing. Yeah. No, with no, me. I, yeah. I am. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not agreeing with you though because I'm saying clearly it is less. Those people in Africa are experienced. They're like really feeling. I am agreeing with you, but, no, but I'm just But when I said less, I was referring to white church, not yeah, I know. not African not I'm not the African religion. So you and I are saying the same thing. I'm saying they're feeling it like that I'm saying the same thing you're saying. I know you are. Okay, all right. But it, it seemed to me like you were saying I'm not saying okay, either way, <laughs> whatever. We're agreeing. We're agreeing. Um so yeah, I I do I do think that it's less be, but I think that even that like old white boring church, 
I think if you take that to extremes too, there's something there because I think there's like you think about um like the Catholic priests who like whip themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like these people just this like droning, mundane, boring, chanting. That can get you, know. you there too. Yeah, exactly. That can, that can get you there too. Yeah. yeah. Um and I think that there's something I, I there's something about that that I like honestly mm. in some ways. Um but I think I like the uh, the dancing to the drums better. So I, I think those two examples are really interesting. Um, if you're trying to encapsulate what we're calling white church and black church, where I'm just talk, I'm just talking about ways of having that sort of mystic experience, and you've got that Gregorian chant style, that that very humdrum kind mm-hmm. of way of just you know what I mean. That's very different than the rhythmic drumming. You know what I mean? Both, both, both of those things will get you into the into that theta brainwave state. You get into that visionary state, um, but they're very different. And I think that that it's symbolic of the difference between the white church and the black church, man. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. What you got, Josh? I got nothing. All right, I'm running. I'm running out of ideas. So, want to wrap this bitch up? Sure. All right, wrap it up. All right, guys. Josh, thanks for this impromptu podcast. Kyle, <laughs> thank you for joining last minute. It was yep. it was a lot of fun. And we're out. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know, it's not easy work thinking it's hard and full of uncertainties but i'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze see what i did there let's find out together in the next episode